0: Live from the Corova Milk Bar, where all the drinks are plus, it's the IGN Digi-Guys. DigiGuys. Now, please welcome Wade Major and Mark Kaiser.
1: I always love a milk bar reference. I don't think we need to go in any great detail to explain to people what movie that comes from, do we? Mark.
2: Oh, I no. the the, uh, the the cantina scene from Star
1: Wars is great.
0: That was written by Lucas Blaine, um, and you're just two. You're not even two guys who are anything. You're, you you just are you.
1: That's right. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Minimalist. I like Wait. it.
1: Yes.
2: Um, I have a lot of food for you today. Here's why. Why? So I went to a Fourth of July party. Let's right. Get
1: the microphone further closer to your mouth. Like this. Yeah, that should do.
2: We've been doing how many of these shows, and we're still having these conversations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I have a lot of food for you. Okay. I went to 4th of July party, right? Yeah. Here's what I baked. I baked brownies. I baked cookies. I made ice cream. I find out about an hour before the party, it's a vegan party.
1: Nice. They can't eat brownies. Nice. Or
2: cookies. Or ice cream. Okay. Although they did say, bring the ice cream. Okay. I take the cannolis. They did say, bring the ice cream. However, I never brought the brownies or the cookies. Which means that you... Yes. Maybe for the next couples, maybe the next two shows. Sure. Let's spread it out. Yeah. We'll be the beneficiary of everything I baked. Yes. For the vegan 4th of July party. Bravo. Are you interested?
1: No. Really? No, well, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, it's early. So, uh, and I should point out, too, that uh, we are going to be talking about some anime today uh, because um, the, uh, the Women's World Cup final has not yet happened and the U.S. is playing a rematch against Japan, and I want to set some good karma, so I'm going to say some very nice things about anime in hopes that that uh, sends good energy to the U.S. women to win.
2: And you are on Facebook. Nothing but women. Who gives a crap? Yeah, I Nothing know. Nothing but women's soccer. Who cares? There you go. First of all, maybe I would watch it if they if they wore less clothing.
1: Oh, that's, that's going to go over really well. They, have, they <laughs> wear too much clothing. Go on television and say that. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'll tell you what. I'll go on internet radio and say that. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I'll go yeah. on a podcast and say yeah.
1: that. No one listens. Anyway, uh, so uh, real quickly, just off the top, we also have a giveaway this week. We have a giveaway. A what? We have a giveaway.
2: What are we giving away?
1: We are going to be giving away (laughs) Echoes of War. And the reason I'm laughing is very clear. You'll see when we get to it. Anyway, uh, so uh, Peter from Toronto wrote and said, hate to be picking on Mark again, but he's confusing his Seth Seth MacFarlane animated shows. Yeah,
2: yeah, he sent that a couple weeks ago. Why are you just getting into it now? So basically, good. you waited two weeks to to point out that I was wrong. So you, well, you, you, you pulled that out at a very opportune time.
1: Yes. David Lynch has not lent his voice talents on American Dad, uh, but in 2010, he began making guest appearances on the Family Guy spinoff, The Cleveland Show, as Gus the Bartender.
2: Yeah, he yeah, I He just wanted to point that, that out. out to you. know I, I, that, was, that was my bad. I
1: screwed it yeah, that up. That's okay. he's right to correct me. Fully understanding. Fully understandable.
2: Well, I, I figured I brought that up because I know you as a David Lynch fan.
1: Now, he also went on later in this, uh, in this email and said that um, uh, he, he, he believes that manufacture on demand is pointless. He said, I've, I personally stopped buying 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment sets uh, when you can watch the same episodes in high definition on Netflix. So he said, what are your thoughts on MOD releases? Is it better than no physical release at all? Uh, In my opinion, an inferior release is inferior, even if it's the only option. Um, You know, MOD is a really interesting thing. Uh, We obviously talk a lot about certain releases here. The Sony releases are starting to come out again. They're finally sending us a few more of those. We're going to have some to talk about hopefully today. And uh, some Fox and Warner Archive titles we're, we'll talk about today as well. I, here's the thing. A lot of this stuff, especially the stuff that comes out from Fox and Warner Archives, is not going to be available on Netflix. It's It just isn't. It's never going to be there. And the only way you're ever going to access it is uh, to have it on MOD. Hopefully, and I know Warner Archive was doing this originally, and it's, it's backed away from it a little bit, um, but it would be nice if... Uh, they had a a, a Netflix-style streaming option. You know what I mean? What I would actually like to see is something between uh, Netflix and uh, like an iTunes pay-per-view thing where you don't have to subscribe, but you're also not paying per view where you could, where you could literally just go on, say, the beginning of a given month. Let's say you want to watch some old movies and you just go on at some point in the month and you pay a certain... Let's say you pay ten dollars to watch five old movies, and you're not subscribing, but that entitles you to your pick over a certain period of time. Just give people more flexibility, so you're not permanently subscribing month to month to month. Because nobody's gonna be, you know, very few people are gonna sit there and go, "Wow, I really want to watch, you know, uh, seventy movies from uh, you know the nineteen thirties every month for the next several years." Every month, it's not gonna happen.
2: Wait, so it's wait, so you're you're advocating pay per view.
1: I'm not saying pay per view. I'm saying pay per bundle.
2: You know what I'm saying? So you would want the '70s bundle, or not the even not, not like the '70s bundle.
1: bundle. Just a just a bundle of the, of your choosing. Just where it's you're not given the option of pay a certain amount now and watch a single movie versus pay a subscription and have unlimited options.
2: Yeah, but the, but but the, here's the thing: Netflix is only let's say eight bucks a month or something. Right. Right. If you let's say you chose, let's say you went on Netflix. Neo, whatever it's called, yeah. and you picked the twenty-five movies you want to sure. watch in the next couple in the next month because that's what you're advocating. Yeah, that would be more than seven dollars a month. I mean, what? How much do you expect that to be? Eight two dollars a month?
1: I haven't worked it out. I'm kind of flying I mean, by.
2: Seven, I mean, for seven bucks, you you get that. You get the twenty-five movies you want to watch and seventy-five billion other movies.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm 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 flying by the seat of my pants you ignorant here. slut. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. We also have a Vox box today. You know what? Let's, let's, I uh, to play it because I'm doing the thing? No, not yet. Is not yet. Am not am yet. Not yet. Not yet. Let's, let's do the giveaway right up, uh, right up top so that we can save some time later for the, for the Vox Box. Um, So, stop it. Ar- so, ARC. We have a title from ARC, and uh, the people who, uh, who supply us with our ARC product have been kind enough to let us give away three of these. So, um, as long as we get... By the, uh, by, you know, time date stamped by the 10th, that would be Friday, July 10th. So that's when we have to have this... Uh these emails send send emails in with the word echoes e c h o e s no funny spellings please echoes e c h o e s and uh we're going to be giving away Echoes of War which is actually not that bad um interesting on a lot of levels i, I always enjoy anything that has william forsythe in it and uh because he's just he's he's kind of unrecognizable here and uh you know with the beard and the long hair and the whole thing and uh this is a uh this is this takes place in a reconstruction era Texas post civil war and uh I'm sure that they th- it's fascinating because this thing obviously they printed this months ago before all all the hell blew up over that idiot in South Carolina and the fact that he took a picture of himself with the Confederate flag good thing he didn't take a picture of himself with Mickey Mouse because that would have been a mess.
2: Actually, that would have been awesome. Then they'd Ugh. have to close Disneyland. A lot less traffic.
1: So now, apparently, you know, everybody's just gone nuts, and the Dukes of Hazard is like now a racist show, and and uh, you know, we gotta we gotta like I- I- eradicate the uh, the stars and bars wherever they exist in our society, because that way, no one will ever be racist ever again. Or kill uh, people. I, you know, yeah, uh, so that's
2: a whole other comment. Do we want to have this conversation? Well,
1: man. but you know, I, look, I, I just, I just think we we're prone to ridiculous overreaction, and I, I and I say that because here, right there on the cover, there it is.
2: Oh my God! It's the Confederate flag. <laughs>
1: well, it's not the Confederate flag. People have to people have to understand that it's the Confederate battle flag. Oh, whatever. It that, just that, that, it, it just happens to have a better graphical representation. It's
2: not, it's not what it is. It's what it means.
1: What it means is we're going to battle. <laughs> That's what it means. Well,
2: to people it means uh, you know racism. Yeah, but it
1: didn't power. mean that in nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five it meant you know uh, Bo and Luke uh, running from you know yeah. trying to get that pulling over on Boss Hogg. Uh, you know meanings change, and people need to get a grip at a certain point. They really do. Um, Lenny Bruce would just be—he's rolling his eyes somewhere. Anyway, uh, so there it is on the cover. I and I and I'm I'm curious as to whether or not somebody's going to flip out and pull this off of store shelves or, or or insist that there be a an artwork change. In any case, for three of our very lucky listeners, this could be yours. Just in just in case, hedging your bets. So uh, the movie is Echoes of War from uh, from ARC, and uh, it's a, basically a family drama in uh, Reconstruction era Texas um some great performances here it's a totally de- for a straight to straight to video release uh actually good cast and uh, and pretty solid and well directed by Kate I- Kane Senes Someone I've never heard of, but uh, does a very solid job. And of course, you know William Forsyth is is fantastic, and uh, Ethan Embry. For people who like who are who are fans of Ethan Embry as well, does a great job, and uh, really good period recreation. So, movie is Echoes of War. We'll be giving away three. Just send us an email with your uh, name and address in the body of the email, and then in the subject line, put Echoes E C H O E S. As long as it gets to us by July tenth. We will pick three winners, and over the weekend, we'll get a get a copy out to you. All right, Mark. Yes, sir. Um, let's just jump right into it, and let's uh, put on a show. Let's put on a show. We're ten minutes in, so we got a we got a ton of stuff to go through. Um, why don't we start? Why don't Why don't you tell us uh, your thoughts about Arnold Schwarzenegger's new attempt at doing? Uh, sort of half serious semi horror you know, give, give me maybe you'll give me an oscar on on an outside chance what's what's up with this
2: well there's a film called maggie came out earlier uh, earlier this year and i have to say that um, wait how close do you want my f- mouth well, to I the want mic i wanted at least pointed how come, at you but how come my how come my mouth has to be half an inch from the mic but yours can be a foot away no, from the it'd be, mic?
1: no yours isn't pointed at you you point the mic at like you know Air or the ceiling, and okay, how
2: about d- this? Is that direct-
1: That's much better. Thank
2: you. We're very transparent here on the show. Well, we got all this new gear, and we've well, been doing to make- this for five years. Yeah. <laughs> You're still yelling at me to get closer to the mic, okay? Anyway, um, Maggie is uh, we are really in the in the death throes of these zombie uh, oh, apocalypse, gosh, and movies and TV shows, which is too big. as I Love Zombies, yeah? And one of the more interesting uh, entries is Maggie. And uh Maggie is a story of uh, it's a different sort of zombie story where when you when you become a zombie, it is not an instant change. It happens over the course of x number of days yeah. and weeks and you know what's happening, and then people decide they either want to they either want to kill themselves or whatever um Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a father whose uh, daughter Abigail breslin uh is slowly becoming a zombie it's all part of this it's part of this a- a- you know a- epidemic and I have to it, say you that
1: notice, you notice how it, it, ever since 28 days later people don't become zombies anymore by just it's not zomb, being a zombie used to be you were dead and now you're uh, walking around again you're the undead you're like a rotting corpse that came up out of the earth that's the original thing of a zombie when did this viral thing that if if a virus turns you into something you're not a zombie anymore you're just you're just sick
2: well you're sick anyway anyway I have to say that
1: um, We've lost connection to what a zombie is I think this movie Dead person come alive again
2: I think this movie would have been a lot better without Schwarzenegger That's not to say that Schwarzenegger didn't try very hard Didn't do an okay job But this is such a mournful, dark movie That you really needed somebody Who could really sell it on a Shakespearean level William Hurt That'd be great (laughs) I love William Hurt Come on, he'd be great in anything Really, so Schwarzenegger tries hard, but I just feel like this would have really benefited from just a really great, just Shakespearean, yeah. just apocalyptic reading of this character. But I have to say, it's uh, it's not scary, but it's not really supposed to be. And we've seen zombie films, you know, of all stripes, and this is definitely something new. So it's a bit of a chance. You may not like it, but I have to say that um, I was really, uh, I, I really appreciated what they were trying to do with Maggie.
1: Yeah. Anyway. It's got. I mean, it, it's got a director's commentary and a, and a featurette and a deleted scene and some interviews. They don't really. They don't really pile the thing up. But did this make any money for Lionsgate?
2: Well, the thing is that Schwarzenegger, in 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 order to you know do something different and possibly decent, Schwarzenegger took a lot less than he'd normally yeah. take. Um, so ultimately, I don't think that the film really brought in a lot of you know. Schwarzenegger fans? It's weird. Like, Schwarzenegger fans didn't really want to see him do this, and non-Schwarzenegger fans would never see him do a movie like this.
1: It's really curious.
2: So he couldn't win.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, you know what? A uh, big, big, big thumbs up, or two big thumbs up, if we're going to uh, risk violating the copyright that Roger Ebert continues to hold on thumbs. Um, out on Blu-ray is one of the better films from the early part of this year from uh, the Weinstein Company via Anchor Bay. A Woman in Gold, which is the true story about a woman who's trying to regain uh, some stolen family artwork that was uh, stolen at the time of the Nazis. And um, Helen Mirren kills it. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely great as the the guy who's trying to help her get it back. And Daniel Bruhl also shows up, who still can't seem to catch a break in any movie that gives him anything substantial to do. Great actor. He just keeps uh, kind of his Hollywood exposure is just, you know. Rush was the one moment he had a chance there, and he was so good, and he didn't get an Oscar nomination. And now it's, it's like,
2: like he—you think that that would be his moment to take off. He's the new It guy. I but I wants it him, was. and it didn't really—he just—it he did, just, didn't reach escape velocity.
1: He's just bouncing through supporting parts right now, and he's so good. And I just hope something comes his way. He, you but, know, he's kind
2: of like, um, like, like, like a Ben Foster type. Yeah, where it's like he's so good. You wish you would have won at least, you wish you would have at least won an Oscar by now.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway. By the way,
2: how good is Ben Foster looking at uh, the Lance Arm Oh, my looks God. looks great. That's, right? That movie's going to kill it.
1: It, it will. Stephen Frears. Yeah. It'll be so good. It's going to be great. Man, that's going to be just insane. Anyway. Am no. I close enough to the mic? Wait, uh, yes, you wait, are. It's perfect. Thank it's you. Good. Okay. So I just anyway. want
2: every few minutes, I'll check.
1: Thank you. Okay. So anyway, of course, the, the portrait in question is a, is a famous uh, portrait by Klimt, Gustav Klimt, who's don't not... Don't
2: say dirty words on the show. I Come on. Not We're one of there. my favorites. Women are listening Anyway,
1: to uh, it's a good movie. I, I, I think there was a calculated uh, risk here. You know, it comes with a feature commentary by Simon Curtis. is really, really good. He's joined by the producer as well. And then there's usual feature-ed documentary and press conference stuff on here. But the um, I think there was a calculated risk by Weinstein that this was... Not going to be a strong Oscar contender at the end of the year, so they they pushed it, you know, they they kind of repositioned it at the uh, beginning of the year and did well with it. But, you know.
2: Wait, you know what didn't do well?
1: What didn't do well? Alien Outpost. I never even
2: heard of it. Hang on a second, Wade. Alien Outpost. Hang on. Okay. Stay with me. I'm with you. It's a faux documentary. Oh, no. Because I've never seen those before. No. So these two documentary cameramen, they're embedded with this army unit. And uh, the army unit they're overseeing these uh, aliens called the heavies who tried to attack. They were they failed, and now these documentary uh, makers are embedded with the army unit who are making sure that the aliens don't no, you know regroup no, for no, like you know, round no, two, no, 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 which of course they are. It's very exciting. So you know uh, it's just this is just really it's it's really poorly done. It's got, it's way too like it's just the characters aren't there. Way too lethargic. The action is not that great. It's it's just basic war stuff. It's uh, you know I just it's just like a, seeing a bunch of actors run around going go 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 and run around buildings and, mm-hmm. and and like that's what they do
1: yeah all right that's like the whole movie
2: good and there's some aliens you good.
1: know what's great. Uh, and, I, and I say this because I am fully invested and have no objectivity whatsoever, total conflict of interest, and I have no problem admitting it. Uh, we talked uh, some weeks ago about Her Alibi, the Tom Selleck film with Polina Porzkova. Yeah. And I, of course, uh, I, I recused myself because my friend Charlie was the screenwriter of it. Uh, Charlie is also the screenwriter of the most recent film, Five Flights Up, with Morgan Freeman and Diane Keaton as a, uh, a longtime married couple who are uh, about to get rid of their apartment in New York and move to another one. And the, the process of moving out of one apartment and trying to find another place, leaving their, their beloved neighborhood uh, and, you know, going, moving on with their lives and dealing with the real, realtor, and then all these wonderful flashbacks about their previous life together and how they got to their, that particular place and the meaning of the apartment, and, and uh, he's a painter which is a, which is a really interesting bit of business. Uh, it's a, it's a, such a sweet, lovely film, and uh, yeah, uh, so a friend of mine wrote it, and I'm and I'm raving about it. But you know what? It, if you you just you're not going to regret seeing this. It's just an absolutely wonderful film, uh, produced by the same people who did um, Words and Pictures with Clive Owen and Julia. You Binoche, love that movie, which I also loved. So I, I really applaud them. I think they're doing really really good work. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful production company, and I, I hope they just keep making solid, mature movies for grown ups. Uh, Cynthia Nixon plays the uh, their realtor here. Uh, she is Diane Keaton's niece in this thing, and uh, it's nice to see her back in action in something other than Sex in the City. So, uh, you know, as a, as a snapshot of a couple and a life, um, it's really sweet. It's wonderful. It's kind of a rose colored view of New York. There's a dog, too, Mark. Look at the dog. Doggy! Look at the little. So dumb. But uh, no, it's a wonderful film. It's just a really wonderful film, and great performances by two veterans. Just can't get better.
2: Wait, uh, Steven Seagal keeps making movies. Uh, a friend of mine used to work for Steven Seagal. <laughs> no, and
1: I, know. I know we've talked about this before. He doesn't work
2: there anymore. Yeah. Uh, so S- Seagal, who's completely in debt because he keeps cutting his rate because like nobody will hire him because yeah. he's Steven Seagal, and he's just he, he does nothing but spend money he doesn't have because he's Steven Seagal. Uh, he just keeps trying to. Cobbled together. His latest piece of crap is called Absolution. He uh plays a uh he plays this uh guy who's uh he's gotta protect this girl, but if he protects the girl, then he's uh, running afoul of his bosses. So what does he do? He runs around with guns and and hand chops people because that's what he does. <laughs> For some reason, uh Vinny Jones is in this. Vinny Jones is another guy. He's Vinny Jones is almost like that um Jason Statham type, you mm-hmm. know. But Vinny Jones has gone nowhere with his career, really. Yeah. You know, but um Yeah, this is just more Steven Seagal crap. I just, you know, he just, he just doesn't care anymore. He does the same moves. He's got this horrible goatee that's, you know, just painted black, even though he's like in his early sixties, and uh, he doesn't even act anymore. He just. There was a very. (laughs) My friend had a funny story about some old Steven Seagal movie. This is like maybe ten years ago. Yeah. And Seagal is so fat and lazy that they were blocking this scene that took place in a police precinct. Right. Right. So, you know, Seagal had to enter the police precinct, walk over to this desk, you know, yell at his uh, superior, and uh, then exit, right? Right. Seagal was so lazy, he said, Can I just do the whole scene sitting in this chair? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to enter. I don't want to exit. I want to just do the scene with me in the chair. And then that's the scene. That's Stephen Seagal.
1: That's a director's worst nightmare. It is. It's you, you, best nightmare. You, you, you have this idea, we're going to do this film, we're going you know, to... It's Steven Seagal! It, we're going to stage it's, it's, the scene and sit in done. the chair. Why don't you sit in the chair the whole movie? <laughs> Slow West is a really interesting... Uh, kind of revisionist Western. All Westerns since Unforgiven seem to be revisionist. It is
2: true. It's, hey, we, we we throw that word around a lot.
1: I know. How but much it is a Western
2: where people do well, stuff and that's it? it, it
1: they, they, but they're all now, they're all sort of, you know, the Westerns used to be, wasn't the West cool and rugged and, and neat and stuff. Yes. And now they're all about the West. Was just everything you've been told was a lie. It was horrible. It was violent. It was vicious. It's like, well, we, well, we always knew romanticize that. it. We you know, always it was, knew that. We exactly. just made it like cool, vicious, as yes. opposed to evil, vicious.
2: We, we made it fistful of dollars, vicious. <laughs> now it's now it's actually what it was. Vicious. Just a horrible, horrible life.
1: <laughs> I mean, did anyone really believe it was just good times? Oh, Oh yeah, I'm sure it was wonderful. Go out in the prairie and go across and get scalped. And he's like, come on, stop you know. Look,
2: it. go ahead and here's what you should do. Go ahead and read Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. Yeah, Blood Meridian makes the West what it really was just a, just an apocalyptic hellhole <laughs> where your life was short and miserable and painful.
1: Well, that's a lot of what this is. Uh, John McLean directed this. It is, uh, and none of these things are actually shot in the West anymore. Forget, you're never going to see Monument Valley in a Western again. Because it's cheaper to shoot everywhere else. They shoot them in Spain. They shoot them in South Africa. They shoot them everywhere except the American West. And all you really need to do is just dress people up as cowboys and Indians and build a cabin. And pretty much anywhere on the planet can pass for the West. Uh, this one uh, takes place in Scotland and in the, in the West. So the, Scot- the Scottish stuff is actually shot in Scotland. And all the Western stuff is shot in New Zealand. Uh, And it is a New Zealand Film Commission uh, co-production. So, you know, you get obviously a little bit of cash back on that. Uh, Anyway, Michael Fassbender, who is about to, I hope not, but I'm afraid he's going to terribly embarrass himself as Steve Jobs because I really don't like the trailer for that thing. And I know you do. Ooh.
2: Really Scrinch. Scrooge.
1: It really doesn't look good. Anyway, Michael Fassbender starts with Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, Cody McPhee is uh, really good. They're, I mean, they're all really good in it. But uh, basically, he's he's a kid. The love of his life, for reasons that are explained in the film, uh, the woman he thinks he's determined to marry, she and her father fled from Scotland to uh, the, the American West, and he's determined to go and make things right and, and get the woman that he loves. And Michael Fassbender is kind of a you know gun-for-hire general-roaming outlawed dude who uh, becomes his guardian to help him get to that place. Meanwhile, there's Ben Mendelsohn, who is just everybody's go-to bad guy now. He's and awesome. He's the guy who, with his gang, they've got... Uh, there's, let's say there's a bounty in question, and they're determined to get the bounty, and they happen to have a history with Michael Fassbender. Very interesting. So that is Slow West, Lionsgate film... A uh, really interesting revisionist Western. The thing that I think a lot of people miss in this movie is how funny it is. It is a dark, 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 very dark comedy when you get right down to it. Uh, so dark that I think a lot of people will have a hard time realizing they're supposed to be laughing. And um, you're supposed to laugh, but you're supposed to be really uncomfortable with it. So it's an, it's an intriguing little oddity.
2: Uh, Wade, what's not intriguing is Survivor. Now, uh, Pierce Brosnan has done a couple movies lately where uh – he 's still finding people willing to hire him as like a gun toting and tough guy, even though like he 's got to be in the '60s by now mm-hmm. so this is uh, Mili Ovoichch now when, when you think of straight to DVD, what do who you think of Mil- unless it 's a uh, uh, Resident Evil film. Uh. Miljovic. I guess so. Dylan McDermott. It's a good, sure. it's a good cast. Robert yeah. Forrester, Angela Bassett. Anyway, this is pretty typical stuff. Um, uh, Miljovic plays this uh, – she's like an agent, and she's framed for a terrorist bombing. So now she's, uh, she's pursued by Pierce Brosnan, who plays an assassin, and so she's got to stop the real perpetrators of this terrorist bombing that she's been framed for Lovely. before uh, Pierce Brosnan finds her. Well,
1: good for her. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Good for her.
2: Anyway, the whole thing is ludicrous and stilted, and uh, you know it's all like all that pseudo gritty stuff that just, yeah. just plays is just lame, all by the numbers. Um. I just, uh, I just don't know. It was directed by James McTeague. Now, not that James McTeague. He's got a, he's got a career. James McTeague like directs movies. You know, yeah. he's a guy. Sure. But uh, I, I can't believe this is the best thing he gets. Is Mila Jovovich and uh, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So well, uh, yeah, I just this thing's just needlessly complicated and totally ludicrous. And uh, you know, this is the, this is pretty much your most desperate Saturday Night Rental.
1: So I've got three DVDs here. They are not Blu-rays. They're just DVDs and uh the first one is teen beach 2 and the first thing i thought was there was a teen beach 1
2: well cuz you're not <laughs> you're not a teen i guess
1: you know, i i try to keep track of all this disney channel stuff anyway uh you know there's like uh high school musical and now we got teen beach and there there it's it's kind of odd because the beach movies the original beach movies with Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon you know the whole history of those was that Sam Arkoff made those And he hijacked Annette Funicello away from Disney, and he got a really nasty call from Walt Disney. Sam even told us this personally. And he loves telling this story. He loved Before He Passed Away. And um, you know, the nasty call from Walt Disney, basically accusing him of uh, intentionally trying to sully the Disney brand by taking his wonderful, wholesome girl Annette Funicello, whose career he had so carefully cultivated through all the way from the you know the the uh, the mouse, as a mouseketeer all the way into movies, and now Sam Markov was sticking her in a bikini and having her you know uh, jiggle her stuff on a beach with uh, with Frankie Avalon, and he just felt like that was just the lowest thing that uh, Sam could have done, and Sam just loved the. Walt Disney felt that way. He sort of acknowledged him. It was putting him on, on, on a level, you know, as, I'm, as, as I'm, peers. I'm,
2: I'm sure Sam loved the idea oh. of pissing off Walt Disney. Oh, he
1: loved it. But anyway, it's funny now that Disney is now making beach movies. It's just funny how things come around. Now, now that those movies are so wholesome in retrospect, there's nothing lascivious about them. And on top of that, Disney has now sort of co-opted the whole idea. So Teen Beach 2, same surf new turf wow no kidding including never before seen rehearsal footage and it will continue to be never seen because nobody's gonna care uh you know what it's this is this is just it's exactly what the title tells you it's straight up disney channel stuff it's for tweens and it's all you know it's all just beach musical stuff it's just kind of it's what they do it just screams disney channel and i mean it's it's inoffensive but i I don't see the point i guess it's just you know to keep people who love that channel watching that channel uh what's really good is 71 that is apostrophe 71 as in 1971 this was a this stars jack o'connell who's a real up-and-comer and and, uh this thing was a big big deal in um in the UK, it didn't really get much of a release here. This is from Lionsgate. It also includes Ultraviolet. Uh, the this is all about 1971, a uh, an event uh, on the streets of Belfast when you know, all hell was breaking loose uh, with the IRA and terrorism and so forth. And it is a really, really cool, very um, uh, I don't want to call it low grade. It's uh, it's almost it's not it's it's a very contained thriller it's very much from his point of view of this young british officer played by jack o'connell and uh who's just you know trying to just it, it's it's like just an it's 90 minutes or 99 some odd minutes of just unbelievable intensity uh and the scale is very small but it's implied large and uh it's uh you know you're you're in a war zone basically a, a modern urban war zone and just a soldier's effort to survive. And it's it's very sharp and it's very well done. Got a lot of uh, nominations with the British, uh, the BFIs, but didn't really do much here, so that's too bad. And then the other one here is Tooken, which is a uh, spoof of Taken uh, with lots and lots of uh, cameos in it, but they're kind of um, second-tier cameos, you know, Lucas Haas and Donnie Wahlberg. There's no Mark Wahlberg making a, making a cameo here. And uh, Lee Turgeson, who can be funny, uh, basically does the uh, the the you know the the he's the he's the ex CIA guy, and all of these. I mean, it's not just Liam Neeson; all these guys who play like aging agents now. Just mentioned Pierce Brosnan. Wouldn't it be funny to do a bunch? Of, everybody who's ever played James Bond to do like a, an Expendables thing, except from the British standpoint, all the ex James Bonds. Wouldn't I'm that sure be great? somebody's thought of that. Roger Moore would never do it in a million no, years. No, he would not. And Sean Connery would probably like throw a brick at your head if you it, even suggested it. You know, Sean Connery,
2: I mean, he 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 really did retire. I mean, Sean Connery done. has not made a movie done in whatever it nope. was five seven
1: years. Just walking around wearing a kilt cursing really the British. Is. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's done. It's all all right. done.
2: He, you know what? And then whenever I watch him, he's just cool, man.
1: Anyway, so uh, the only thing about Tooken, that it's not that funny actually. It's it's more clever. It, it's, it's like clever without being funny. But it's uh, you know so it's middling. But the the one thing I will say about it, Mark would love this because Margaret Cho plays a villain. And you love Margaret
2: Cho. Margaret Cho is in, in the in the film of my of my comedy life. Margaret Cho is the main villain. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Kill Me Three Times is a completely misbegotten and strange little movie starring uh, Simon Pegg. Now we all love Simon Pegg. Here he plays a villain who is trying to uh, kill off this hot young thing in Australia. By Alex uh, Braga. I have to say, this thing was totally sub Tarantino, trying to be cool. Everyone hates everybody else. Everybody's cruel and everybody's scheming and everyone's like a poser with their cool dialogue and twisty McTwist, you know, Tarantino crap. This thing is just so self consciously attitudinal. I just think this thing was just way over nice. the top ridiculous. I just, I really just, I just rebelled against this movie as I was watching it. Um, if you love Simon Pegg, I guess you can go for it. He, you know, dresses in black and uh, has a mustache and uh, receding hairline. But otherwise, this thing is just filled with sub-Tarantino jokes and 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 twists in time. And I just think this thing was completely misbegotten. Just trying way too hard to be super rad and cool. I just really wanted to throw a brick at the screen. Anyway, kill me three times. I was, which is funny. That's what I thought when I was watching it. Kill me three times.
1: Also, uh I just can't get on this. There's a, this is a Best Buy exclusive, the the Blu-ray of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is uh just another one of these generic horror films that, that they're cranking out and they're really formulaic. And there's Sounds just, like an
2: episode of the Twilight Zone.
1: Oh gosh. It's just it's it you know, just being brutal and gory and relying on all of those same boo tactics and then having a guy who wears a bag over his head. And you know the idea that 65 years after these horrible slayings terrorized this small town, dun dun dun, fill in the blanks. Yeah, it all starts again. Blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, yeah. So it's stylish and it's creepy and gory. And I, so what? I, it just doesn't. Uh, you know, there, there's enough of this stuff. There's just too much of it. This, it's not reinventing the wheel. In any meaningful way, so uh, you know if it's your thing, I guess. You know, hey, guy, he's got he's got a bag on his head and a knife in his hand. Scary. Oh uh, wait,
2: uh, take like take like ten disease of the week movies and put them in like a blender, and then take all the juice out of them and repackage it in uh, in in like it's a candy bar, and you have the road within. Which stars uh, Robert Sheehan, Dev. Patel. by the way, you know Dev Patel really did have a relationship with uh, Frida Pinto, right? Like in real life. I have the, no idea. The Slumdog Millionaire people. I don't know because she's so hot, and it, and and, and, sh- and during Slumdog Millionaire, he was like this little gawky kid. But he's I think. Not,
1: but you know, you ever met him?
2: No, I mean, he's grown into himself now.
1: He's a big dude. Yeah, he's grown into himself now. I mean, he wasn't even a gawky kid at the time. He just looks that way, and he played that way. No, but when you meet him, you're like, you're kind of a big buff dude. No, That's- he's not yeah. He-
2: he is. Here's here's what I think. Yeah, he was a gawky kid when they met. Mm, but okay. here's the thing is my theory. Okay. Okay. She's smoking hot. She can get anybody she wants. Yeah. Right. Depp Patel. He's not. He's not a super handsome guy. But my feeling is that because they went through something so pressure filled, right? They do this little movie, and now they're the toast of the, the world. Thing. The, you know, and they have nobody else but each other to understand what they're going through. Because yeah. again, they're that's the
1: Hollywood thing.
2: Right. But but okay. these these are two people from nowhere. And anyway, that's my thing. Okay. Uh, Road Within—it's about—it's uh, the directorial debut. This uh, Gren Wells, and uh, it's not funny. It's not touching. It's about this uh, kid with uh, Tourette syndrome, and they—he's uh, dealing with the death of, death of his mother, and he goes to this uh, facility where people with—you uh, know—diseases and uh, mental diseases hang out and hopefully get better. This thing is so patronizing, and I just feel like it didn't really earn the right to tell the offbeat jokes that it tries to ring out of this condition in these situations mm-hmm. um, Zoe Kravitz is in it Zoe Kravitz you might know from uh, Mad Max Fury Road she's one of the girls
1: Zoe well she, she's Lenny Kravitz's daughter
2: Lenny Kravitz's daughter mm-hmm. uh, yeah so anyway I just think this thing is just tiredly sentimental and uh, I just think it's really uh, a bad film The Road Within I
1: would uh, pass on that okay Mark I'm going to blow through some anime right now just to, just to be nice alright
2: I'll read about Matt Harvey
1: you do that who's but, Matt Harvey Wade uh, I have no idea Pitcher for the Mets okay Well, first off, I was—you may be interested. We're going to talk about *Spirited Away* because *Spirited Away* is finally on Blu-ray.
2: I know. Now, hang on a second. Now, is is this a good version of *Spirited Away*? Fantastic! It is.
1: Yeah, this is this is the official Disney release of the Studio Ghibli uh, original *Spirited Away*. It's it's you're sure
2: this is like this, this it's is not like the Matt Damon voiced one or some crap like that.
1: No, this is the, I mean, no, this is the real deal. This is the this is it. I mean, if you want to go and get the original Japanese release or whatever, you're you're welcome to do it. But uh, you you have, uh, you know, English and Japanese tracks on here. Uh, you, you've got a French track if you want. Uh, anyway, no, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's beautifully transferred. This thing first anime film to win an Academy Award. You know, Hayao Miyazaki really kills it here. Uh, and they do the usual Disney bang-up job. It is, it is absolutely pristine. Uh, you get to so- soak in all of the, the, just the beautiful animation in absolute perfect detail. And uh, great extras, too. Uh, everything's been remastered. John Lasseter does an introduction that is really, really sweet and very insightful. And then uh, you have uh, little tidbits that let you get into the uh, you know doing the like what went into the English dubbed version, which is very interesting, and a lot of attention went into that. Uh, The uh, the original artwork, the storyboards, and there's even a television special from uh, Japan, which is pretty great. So you get the original Japanese trailers and TV spots as well. It's just it's a it's a great release. Spirited Away is is possibly one of my all-time favorite anime films. What? Yeah. It's it's just great. It's wonderful. All right. uh, Real quickly, going through some of these from uh, the uh, Section 23 people who release all of the Sente library. Is The Order a Rabbit the complete collection? You notice how anime series always have these weird titles. Like, Is The Order a Rabbit? What? I think it is. What does that mean? it means the order's a rabbit. Well, That's this is
2: self-explanatory, Wade.
1: Uh, without going, in, this is this is uh, they all kind of have categories. This is one of those high school series where uh, all the girls are cute little big-eyed pixies. There's a there's like a half dozen of those, so that goes into that category. Uh, cute, not anything groundbreaking. Um, Much more interesting is the artwork in One Week Friends, complete collection. This is also a Sente release. Uh, This is just this is beautiful, humanistic stuff, and um, it's. Hey,
2: Wade, will you be talking about this long enough that I can go pee?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead.
2: Yeah, we're we're very transparent on this show.
1: Yes, we are. By all means, go relieve yourself. Uh, I'll try to finish. I'll try to finish in that time. Anyway, the uh, this is all about uh, the, the magic of memories. And uh, kind of with a mystical, magical approach to memories and friendship and lives. In any any case, the artwork is superb, absolutely superb. Uh, It's got kind of a watercolor hue to it and and a gentle sense of movement. It's really, really sweet. Uh, Highly recommended. Uh, Atelier Esha Logi, Alchemists of the Dusk Sky. This is one of those things, that this is also from Sente. This is one of those things that I just don't get, don't have enough patience to sort of figure it out. Um, kind of another mystical, magical world, and uh, th- th- like it's like Middle Earth in the future. And I never quite, I it's just don't have the time to figure that out. But if that's you, might be your groove. On DVD is Yakitate Japan. This is part three. Uh, this is a little bit on the extreme end. There's some anime that just loves doing all this over the top uh, action stuff and sports stuff and. It's really, uh, I guess you could put Yu-Gi-Oh uh, and, um, to some degree, Pokemon into this class. Anyway, this is the third volume of this series, which is on that end in particular. Uh, the Familiar of Zero, Complete Collection, Season 4. Uh, Sente Filmworks. This is uh, more pixies in lingerie, and uh, it's not, you know, hentai, but it's... It's sort of uh like hente light and um yeah it's it's you know it is what it is um magical warfare, the complete collection uh this is twelve episodes, and uh this is one I was fairly unfamiliar with uh pretty intense action, pretty violent, but pretty cool uh still don 't quite understand the world in which this takes place, but uh, it's it's you know another on the fantastical end. Space Brothers is a popular show. This is episodes twenty seven through thirty eight uh, of this collection three and uh, actually very enjoyable, very funny, and uh, very smartly written the uh, The whole space cowboy thing done from the uh, the anime angle um, let 's see what else we got here from Funimation. We got a bunch of interesting uh, titles: Blaze Blue, Alter Memory. This is unbelievably great animation. This is really, really first-rate stuff. This is a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, and uh, there's a very elaborate mythical backstory to this uh, th- that deals with this thing called the Black Beast, that is this incredible threat to the human race. And uh, obviously, they build this elaborate mythology to uh, around this this heroic uh, epic tale um really really interesting and uh yeah, it probably requires some investment to really get into the world but that's Blaze Blue Alter Memory from Funimation really great stuff um uh, more more cute little pixies in Soul Eater not uh cute girls big eyes this is also Funimation Blu-ray DVD combo pack and uh, it's you know it's it, they're they're cute girls and there's magic and they're witches and uh, they're they're it's just lovable and sweet and cute and magical and pink and I I just don't know any other way to to describe that one. Uh, then we also have the uh, strictly on um, DVD is uh, another one of these hack releases. This is uh, Dot Hack. Backslash backslash G trilogy. Uh, the whole hack thing we talked about some weeks ago. Great animation, completely obtuse uh, mythology, a very kind of inside cyber world. So if if you know you're into it, you know you're into it. If it doesn't sound appealing to you, it's not going to be appealing to you. The uh, fairy tale saga T A I L uh, continues with collection four, which is episode seventy three through ninety six. Uh, getting a little long in the tooth. Gotta say, I don't think this thing really uh, really sustains its energy over the long haul. But uh, that's a Blu Ray and DVD combo set. Um, really interesting release from Funimation called Ping Pong the Animation. Totally unanime like. Uh you know, you sort you look at it and you go, Well, yeah, I get it. it. I can tell this was done in Japan, but it doesn't look like any other anime movie I've ever seen. Uh really, really super cool artwork. Uh conceptually, um, impressionistically, and the whole idea centering around, you know, the drama of ping pong is just so unusual, but yet so incredibly Asian. Uh and the ping pong stuff is really it's incredibly well done. It's just really cool and impressionistic. So uh this is worth checking out. Anim- animation fans are definitely going to want to see, uh, see Ping Pong. It's just it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Uh, then we also have more from Funimation. Um, Hyperdimension Neptunia. You know what? She's cute. She's got purple hair, and she dresses like uh, a purple Wonder Woman with a big sword. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh If that alone doesn't make you want to watch this, uh, then nothing else will. Uh, So there you go. Um, And then wrapping it out, a few more. Uh, Those cute little pixies get all grown up, and they're all kind of busty and uh, hot women in Want to Be the Strongest in the World. The Complete Series. Mark, tell me you, you wouldn't. Oh, look at you eating a brownie. Tell I me know. You, tell me you this wouldn't is be This
2: for all... the 4th of July party. I have so much brownies. I never... I, I right, baked bring, them...
1: Bring some out for me. Oh, yeah. what, tell me Tell me you're not all over this. Hmm? Tell me you're not all over this. Um, I would sleep with... That'll no, stop.
2: Isn't that what you mean? Get well, down, what do you mean? Get down oh, to I it.
1: meant, you know, watch it. I don't want you telling me you sleep with animated women. That's kind of is, is, is that what anime is? I don't know. Is that what it is to you? That's okay. what it is in Japan. Okay. Well, anyway, this is uh, this is their. It's professional wrestling. It's you know basically hot anime women wrestling. What else? What do you want? That's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, and then uh, there's more great animation in Funimation's release of uh, Nobunagan. Nobunagan, Mark. Really good looking stuff. This is this is pretty great. Uh, the tagline is, "She's the girl with the biggest gun." And uh, these are the people who did Sergeant Frog, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's cyberpunk, and it's very colorful, and it's very violent, and, and futuristic, and, and super cool. Um, uh, Mardock's Scramble, the trilogy from Sente, is uh, a little bit on the creepy side. This is all three movies that that have been part of this saga, um, this is also very dark and very violent and futuristic and female-centric, um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's the- thematically a little bit tweaked. And also similarly tweaked is Knights of Sidonia. This is a complete collection, uh, 12 episodes on two discs, also from Sente through the Section 23 people. And uh, this is kind of post-apocalyptic uh, stuff, also from a woman's point of view. And then the last two titles, uh, please, teacher, which is another one of those uh, schoolgirl things. That's n- it's not quite as cute and funny as it thinks it is. Uh, you got to be really, really inside anime on that one. And then uh, the this very bizarre take of Fist of the North Star, which uh, I, this is the you know the DD Fist of the North Star, which is not quite the original Fist of the North Star. This is all done very kind of pop kitty interpretation like like uh you know what's the what's the, the DC superhero thing with the teenage uh, superheroes Teen Titans Teen Titans it's very Teen Titan style and i i'm not sure i like this you know there was a Fist of the North Star movie with Gary Daniels and Chris Penn did you know that many years ago about I do 20, now. 20 years ago it was terrible it was absolutely terrible but you know it is what it is all right so um all right mark let's um I just, can I say something about yeah, these brownies? Ahead. Say something about the brownies. And you know, what? I didn't ask you about your 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 vacation in Memphis. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do a vox. Box did in we second. talk about
2: Memphis last no, week?
1: No. How was the Sphinx? Huh? The Sphinx. You went to Memphis. But the Sphinx is in Egypt. In Memphis, Egypt. Isn't that where you were? Yes, Wade. Yes, Wade. That's where
2: I was. Okay. I will laugh now heartily at your joke see that's like an
1: intellectual joke it's like a Woody Allen joke it assumes that you know that the original city of Memphis is in Egypt and that Memphis Tennessee is named for the Egyptian city see it's meant to humiliate people who don't know that and make them feel inferior I don't it's, need that to feel inferior it's, it's a joke that sort of that, that shames people who aren't educated Wade, these brownies, it's a shaming joke
2: these brownies were a pain in the ass to make and Tell me the, why. and in the end they're okay I mean they're fine they're brownies because, again, I went to this Fourth of July party, and it uh, turns out that uh, everybody was vegan, and these brownies have cream and sour cream and milk and eggs. It's the least v- vegan brownie ever. So, But I made them, and it's a pain in the ass to make it because it has caramel. you got to make the caramel with old you know, candy thermometer and everything, and then you got to make the brownie itself, and then you got to put them together very carefully. And in the end, they're good, but they're brownies. Now Wade, uh, as you as you eat I'm the... enjoying it. So you, so okay so, now are they better than like a, a Betty Crocker brownie?
0: Um, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it took you too long to answer that. Well, not a good sign. Yeah. So while I like the brownies, um, I believe that uh, they were not worth the effort it took to make them. Yeah. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure do. do you understand right. the fact that I have a new pair of reading glasses and uh, I don't like them.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about some um, classic movies and stuff. Let's do that. Shall we?
2: W- would you like another brownie?
1: Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Would you really? Yeah. Let's do it. God damn. Let's do right. Another brownie, and I'll. You know what? Well, get me that. Get me that brownie, and I'm going to haul through these uh, DVDrs from Fox um some uh, cinema archives releases mod rs from fox good stuff betty grable in pinup girl which is i mean it's like the original betty grable movie looks good good uh, good solid release uh joanna kind of has fallen through the cracks over the years a lot of people don't remember this uh this is a um kind of a kind of an interesting london swing in the 60s Thing that features some interesting Rod McEwen uh, music and uh, maybe the only noteworthy film directed by Michael Sarn, but um, really kind of a nice, cool, funky snapshot of the era and uh, the whole Hate Ashbury scene with uh, Genevieve Waite as uh, Joanna, who's one of those, you know, one of those figures that 60s movies all had their, their iconic 60s girls, and that's one of them uh david ladd and chill wills in the sad horse have you heard of those people you haven't heard of them because uh, they're completely forgotten but this is an interesting little cinemascope uh family film uh one of those animal movies that were all the rage at the time of lassie and and everything else and my friend flicka and all that stuff uh this is about a 10 year old boy and a horse and uh it's sweet it's not old yeller or anything like that but it works We've also got Jimmy Stewart in Dear Brigitte, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E. You can call it Brigitte, you can call it Brigitte, you can call it Brigitte if you're in Germany. Uh, Either way, it's uh, the story about a little eight-year-old kid who is a genius at math, and uh, he is absolutely infatuated with with, uh, Brigitte Bardot. And that's it. Uh, that's all there is to it. A little eight-year-old kid loves Brigitte Bardot. Which, you know, made for a movie back in, uh, back in the day, I guess, because she was all the rage at the time. Anyway, uh, Glennis Johns, Billy Mummy, interest Ed Wynn. You know, it's a, it's a decent cast. Decent little movie. It's cute. Double Trouble. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember this, Mark, with the Barbarian Brothers? Double Trouble? Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh. This is the worst movie ever. Remember those guys? They were just like they were—they were, they were just twins who were like low rent Arnold Schwarzeneggers, and they had a movie career for a moment until people realized that all they were going to get was a couple of twins just who couldn't act, and uh, people kind of threw the towel in on that. Anyway, this is double trouble, um, man. This is not a good movie. It's a—it's a novelty, is what it is. It's not a good film. Uh, the Adventures of Gerard. Another completely weird, lost, kind of uh, peculiar 60s oddity. Um, this is actually a 1970 film, but it's, uh, it just reeks of the 1960s. It's that whole kind of post-Tom Jones body period 60s thing that infected the uh, the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers a little bit. A lot of Richard Lester uh, influence in this in a big way. Uh, it's basically about a guy named uh, Etienne Girard, who is this colonel in Napoleon's... Uh, Army and who just cannot—he uh, just—he's just all into the girls. He's in the army because he's all into the girls. Uh, John Neville shows up as the Duke of Wellington, of all people. Claudia Cardinale is in this and looking absolutely wonderful. Uh, Eli Wallach shows up, Jack Hawkins. It's—it's it's, it's a great cast, uh, but it's not Tom Jones, even though it wants to be Tom Jones and is clearly inspired by Tom Jones. Nonetheless, a fascinating '60s era oddity. Uh, still talking about the MOD releases from 20th Century Fox. The, uh, this is uh, from their MGM line, the limited edition collection. Down the Drain, uh, such a weird movie. The, some of these I've, just, I've totally forgotten it ever existed. You know, Andrew Stevens, before he became a, uh, a big, uh, well, b- a- roughly around the time probably that he was still married to Kate Jackson, before, when he was still an actor in things like The, the Bastard, before he became a little mini straight-to-video mogul. Uh, he was making stuff like Down the Drain where he plays uh kind of a, a, a lawyer slash con man who um gets caught up in a whole bank robbery and uh, and spy thing. Uh you know, kind of a kind of a sort of a weird, lame nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties era oddity. I I you know, it's it's not it's not bad. It's sort of weird and kitschy to watch it. You sort of know when, when it was made, but Still not a not a great movie, um, and then uh, let's see, Made for Each Other with Renee Taylor and Joseph Bologna, which is a which is a, a kind of a you know Joe Bologna had a thing going for a while, so this is from 1971. I used to love him. It's a it's a cool cool little 1971 uh, romance character piece. It's funny.
2: He was in the Big Bus.
1: He's So good in the Big Bus.
2: You know, somebody wrote an article about you know oh get the, it, was, it was the 35th or whatever anniversary of Airplane. Yeah, and in the article I was reading, I think it was on CNN. I was reading uh, dot com. I was reading the article about Airplane, and they said it wasn't the first you know, super spoof movie. And then in, in parentheses, they said, remember the Big Bus? I know you don't because <laughs> they thought yeah. Big Bus was before sure. Airplane. And I'm like, no, no, no. Not only do I remember the Big Bus, I can even sing the songs that the lounge singer on the bus sang to the patrons. There you go. That's how much of a fan of the Big
1: Bus I was and am because I had the DVD. I love that movie. Here's here's a great oddity, Fearless Frank with John Voight. Did you ever see Fearless Frank? I did not. Such a weird movie. This is from 1966. It's about a guy, it's it's kind of a weird comedy. This is about a guy, he's a co- total bumpkin, and he 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 goes to Chicago and he gets shot by by accident by these these crooks, and then he wakes up and he winds up that he's basically a superhero. It's the strangest movie with John Voight. Documentary? Totally exactly. So strange. He's Jewish. John Void is? Is he?
2: He always shows up at the Chabad Telethon.
1: Uh, well, that doesn't necessarily mean I I used to show up there. You did not. No, of course I didn't. Uh Mixed Company. We got actually here's a here's a couple that sort of go together. There's Fire Sale and Mixed Company. These are just such a, I mean, this 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 whole series of releases is so strange. Um Mixed Company also stars Joe Bologna, and he's a basketball coach. Who just he, he just has real issues with black people? we might call him racist, prejudiced, but you know he, he doesn 't necessarily see himself that way, and um, he winds up basically adopting kids who are of mixed ethnicity, and uh, boy, does that turn him around uh, ho ho ho! <laughs> and guess who 's coming to dinner at ain 't. And then uh, fire sale, I love this. You know, you know. Here is the great thing about fire sale, which has a great performance by uh, Alan Arkin and uh, and Ro- and a so-so performance by Rob Reiner. But Alan Arkin and Rob Reiner together in a movie, uh, you can't beat that. Vincent Gardenia too, together again with Rob Reiner since they did the All in the Family. Nothing
2: thing. screams seventies <laughs> and early eighties like Vincent Gardenia. Totally.
1: Oh, isn't it true? Uh, the last great thing that he did was uh, was Moonstruck.
2: Oh come on, he was the cop of Death Wish.
1: But Moonstruck was the last great thing Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. yeah, sure. Yeah, the last great thing he did. So uh, anyway, fire sale. I mean, Sid Caesar, Alan Arkin, Rob Reiner, and Vincent Gardena. I mean, it just – there you go. Basically, it's, it's, a, it's a story of a, um, a department store that's about to go completely bankrupt, and they have to have a scheme on how to uh, come up with the insurance money. So this is one of those things that's kind of in the wake of the producers to try to – You know, capitalize on a certain general theme. What an odd movie. And then uh, winding it out, Frank Zappa's 200 Motels is an impossible movie to describe. All you gotta know is this thing is pure vintage Frank Zappa. It is completely outrageous, and uh, Ringo Starr narrates it as if it weren't already weird enough. And then we got a couple of triple features here Uh, Wabash Avenue with Betty Grable. Uh, la- that lady in Ermen uh, and uh, sweet Rosie O'Grady. So it's a great, uh, great trio for Betty mm. Grable. And then uh, we have a Richard Widmark trio: my pal Gus, Warlock, and Red Skies of Montana. All of these have been out before. And now they're in triple features.
2: Wade, you know Richard Widmark stars in my favorite film noir that is not on DVD, uh, mm. not on Blu-ray. Yes, pick up on South Street. Oh, it's, I, I love that. I love it. Sam It'll be, It'll be out soon enough. I, I I will purchase that. And while you talk about that, I'm by the, the way, wait. Right. Okay, I'm letting. Before you bite that, huh? too late. It's already <laughs> it's in your mouth, but your teeth have not been down. I'm, what I've given you, okay. Yes. I have. Fro- by the way, I, I I have like another.
1: You've poisoned me.
2: No, I have another like this much. If you want to take some home, what I'm saying Holy is that cow. is that I have given you because I was going to eat these myself. These were the, sort of the scraps and the dregs of the pan. I mean, I, so I,
1: I know how you feel about me. I mean, so,
2: a- no, I was I was saving them for myself. Because the rest are frozen. Yeah, sure. So if you don't like them, it's because they're the dregs of the
1: Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm all about the dregs.
2: Uh, anyway, I remember uh, back in uh, the year 2000, whatever it was, and, uh, when I saw um, The Cell, the, uh, tar- the Tarsum Singh movie with Jennifer Lopez. When he was I, just calling
1: himself Tarsim. that's uh, the worst.
2: Um, I thought this it
1: was a- – This was the worst performance ever.
2: He's, he's always awesome. But Vince Vaughn is in this. I, oh. I thought this was the coolest movie ever. Roger Ebert said it was one of the best films of the year. Oh, no. my God. Look at those images. You watch it now. It's lame. It's
1: horrible. It was horrible then. <laughs>
2: uh, Jennifer Lopez plays a uh, – she plays this uh, a child therapist who goes into the mind of a serial killer played by Vincent D'Onofrio because he had fallen into a coma. And we don't know where his latest victim is so she goes into his mind of course his mind it, it's, it's actually a little reminiscent of the last episode of a true detective yeah because in the last episode of true detective they go the chis- um um they don't go into the killer's mind but they go into the killer's home which is sort of decked out to look as if you're entering his mind so here you're actually going into the killer's mind anyway the thing is just right now it just looks really kind of shallow and hackneyed and it looks like it just like a video games now look a lot better than this and Sing, Tarsim Singh didn't really go anywhere because this is all he does. It's just visual stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just I just think this film does not hold up at all. However, I do have an interesting recommendation for you called Dog Soldiers. Now, Dog Soldiers, directed by Neil Marshall from 2002, it is a really cool, fun, unpretentious, sus- uh, suspenseful, evil-dead-type shocker movie about these British guys, They're they're these soldiers... They're in the Scottish Highlands. They're on this training mission. Was that good, by the way? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Was was that Very better good. than a, a regular brownie?
1: Um. Yeah, it's on par. Uh,
2: really, with regular, like a yeah. Betty Crocker brownie?
1: Yeah, better than Betty Crocker brownie. Okay. Yeah, but not
2: like going to a bakery and, and buy like if you would if 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 you were charged a, if you were charged a dollar ninety five for what you just ate would you be like oh it's a good deal at a bakery bakery?
1: Um. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Depends how um, you know. Depends how cute the cashier is.
2: I know. That thing took hours to make, and you're like, really? That's it? And the, and I got that from a baking book that mm-hmm. has been such a home run. Everything I have made – and by the way, that tastes good. It doesn't mm-hmm. taste bad. Mm-hmm. But everything I've made from that baking book has been unbelievably delicious. This was the worst thing I've made from it.
1: Well, good for you. you.
2: I'm right, wondering what baking book that is.
1: You'll show me afterwards.
2: I'll tell. I'll tell. Uh, well, sometimes we have somebody. Sometimes a listener will uh, bake something based on the fact that we talk about baking. I'll get. Uh, there are these guys. I'll say it now because I'm too lazy to get up. There are these guys who um, have this baking baking book series called. Uh, they're the baked books. Um, one of them's called Baked Elements. The other one's called Baked Explorations. There's one called Baked Occasions, and um, everything. They every recipe. Is damn good. Uh-huh. Everything I've made has been really good, except for this brownie, which, by the way, is very good. Yeah, it just wasn't worth the time I put into it. Yeah, but everything else in the in the baked series, baked yes. explorations, baked is all very good. Anyway, dog soldiers. They're uh, uh, these uh, uh, these uh, soldiers in the Scottish Highlands. They uh, run into this uh, guy who's uh, a special ops guy. He's the only survivor of this attack by these wolves that wiped out his platoon. So now these uh, soldiers have to go and uh, and you know and uh, protect themselves from uh, the wolves and save a local girl and uh, it's really cool and fun and not uh, you know it's it's got that Evil Dead thing going on, so I recommend Dog Soldiers. It's Sweet. a good film and it's uh, brought to you by the good people at um, at Scream Factory because we love Scream Factory.
1: I'm gonna roll through some Twilight Time titles now, then Mark has a couple others, and then we're gonna do our Vox Box and close the show out. It... Not, bad, not, yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. So, uh, Twilight Time has its release out now. It's its latest slate of titles, and it's just another huge winner. They all now come in this uh, really cool new um, uh, clear plastic Blu-ray packaging. And remember, uh, you have to go to ScreenArchives.com to get these. They are not available elsewhere. This is a unique arrangement, and there are only uh, limited releases of all of these, and they this, this is just such a winner. Uh, the Young Lions is such a momentous classic
2: oh, it's about Ed, little lions
1: eddie no eddie dimitrick uh the late eddie dimitrick who a very controversial figure by the way used to teach a lot of friends of ours at usc and was known as one of the guys who actually spo- spoke to the uh house on american activities committee and named names turned his friends in thought they were all communists totally had a had a change of heart and Really interesting bio if you ever have a chance to read it. Anyway, Eddie Dimitrick, also one of the great all-time uh, grumpy directors of noirs and all-star vehicles and everything. It's funny. My friend Brad used to, used to talk about uh, when he had Eddie as a, as a, as a teacher, uh, he'd ask him, he'd go, you know, how did you, you know, tell me about directing actors. And he goes, I don't know about directing actors. I had Bogey. I had Bacall. I had, you know, I had, uh, I had Brando. I, you know, uh, you you'd tell, you'd give him a script and they know what to do. He was completely unhelpful about how you direct actors. He said, I worked with the best. They knew what to do. I didn't direct them.
2: Thanks for nothing.
1: But anyway, the Young Lions. Check out this cast. Marlon Brando. Dud, Montgomery Clift. Dud. Dean Martin. Dud. Come on. It's fantastic. <laughs> Great World War II film from 1958 uh, based on the uh, the novel by Erwin Shaw, uh, which is, you know, it just you couldn't get three better actors to sort of tell this story, and it deals with so many interesting issues, anti-Semitism and... It's just a its a really great kind of revisionist World War II film. Uh, the Night of the Generals, as long as we're on the subject of World War II and Nazis and whatnot, uh, The Night of the Generals is a, a really interesting film from Sam Spiegel as a producer, directed by Anatole Litvak, um, made in 1967 after uh, Peter O'Toole was already all the rage for all kinds of reasons. So re- reunion between Sam Spiegel and Peter O'Toole from their Lawrence of Arabia uh, marriage at the time, with uh, other figures that are legendary from David Lean films Omar Sharif, you know, reuniting again with Peter O'Toole, Tom Courtney reuniting with Omar Sharif from uh, Dr. Zhivago, uh, and then uh, throw in Donald Pleasance and a Maurice Jarre score. And the only thing that doesn't make this a David Lean film is the fact that Anatole Litvak is directing it which takes it down a notch obviously but it's still a really good looking film beautifully photographed classic kind of widescreen uh 1960s era World War II film and uh, really uh, incredibly interesting look at the Nazi investigation into the murder of a prostitute uh, because it takes you out of the takes you out of the sort of big picture of the war and right into the minutia of uh, of occupation and uh, Really interesting moral quandaries in the film. It's 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 a it's maybe one of Litvak's better films. Uh, State of Grace. I was never a huge fan of Sean Penn at uh, Harris was, Gary Elden. Uh,
2: this was going to be uh, one of uh, Juano's uh, coming out. movies. I know,
1: I know. It was, it, it, but it may be the best thing he ever did. It's like the first thing. It, it's He's the like fi-
2: the Juano's like the James Gray of that era. But yet kind he of never. Is, but
1: James is more talented. Oh, no, 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 no. But James became far. James Gray. Yeah. But
2: Juano never had the chance to really make enough films. True. That he became super distinctive, was, super he, popular. He
1: was expected to be all that coming out of the gate. And because he wasn't, nobody was willing to let him sort of work up to becoming all that. And he never was willing to sort of take a step back and reinvent himself. And I don't really know what he's doing now. It's, it's wild. He's the Michael Cimino of, uh, of also that era. strange. You know, you'd think somebody would want to throw him a Marvel film, wouldn't you? Anyway. By well, the way,
2: can I say something about Ava DuVernay not directing Black Panther?
1: What, a, What? A, why? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You're wondering what I'm going to say. Yeah, I have no so idea. So everybody's
2: me. freaking out that Ava DuVernay, who was who did such a bang-up job on uh, Selma. Yeah. I mean, imagine what that film would have been had she not directed it. It would yeah. have been so much more would horrible. Have sucked. And it was. It was so good yeah. and so overlooked at the Oscars. Um, it annoyed me that she uh, – here's what annoyed me. Yeah. It annoyed me that it was such a big deal because it's like, oh, my God the african american woman isn't directing the african american superhero film what an amazing story let's it's like who cares she'll direct another great film like why did, why is it why is it a tragedy that the african american woman isn't directing black panther
1: it she's a be.
2: director she'll go and make great films and be some other film because like why it, it's almost like you're casting a director
1: everyone everyone is so marching on eggshells now we're all on eggshells about making sure that we all do the thing that looks and sounds right because we don't want this mob of a million people coming after us and screaming at us for having said the wrong thing and been it's like you know what you and i come here and we stick our faces in front of microphones and say the wrong thing for for an hour every week
2: yeah but no one listens to it except for about except for about 600 loyal wonderful listeners
1: everybody needs to do that on a regular basis so we all just get over ourselves these things are not that. It's just a movie. It's just Black Panther. Let her do her movies. I, it's, seriously, don't, don't get that hung up on all these, on these details.
2: And now they feel obligated to hire a, a black director. You know they do. If they don't, they, I, they will take I, such crap if they don't. It,
1: it, it, it's, As, it's, uh, it's, it gets into the whole Wonder Woman thing, having to hire a woman director. Look, I, if, you, if they'd have hired a woman to direct Iron Man or something, we'd be over this. You know, stop, stop like casting direct – it's just it, – it gets patronizing in a certain See, point. See, but you
2: should be casting sensibility. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Sensibility is most important because sure. they understand the character or whatever. Now sometimes, now, sometimes you need a particular type of person to sell a, diff- a certain film. Like maybe if you want to do Schindler's List, it, maybe you want to have a Jew there. If yeah. you want to do Selma, Martin Luther King, maybe you want to have an African-American there. But Black Panther, to me, is just like another superhero movie. True. It's like, who cares? Yeah. Anybody can direct that movie. You know, so sometimes it's nice to have the sensibility, but I don't think Black Panther is the one, and I don't think Ava DuVernay should be beaten up by the because the 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 deal didn't go through.
1: I agree. All right, so let's let's finish up here. So State of Grace, we we were just talking about. We we went from Phil Giovano to to Black Panther in a in in zero to sixty in three seconds. So anyway, uh, Sean Penn, Ed Harris, Gary Oldman, all of them very good in in State of Grace. Should have been a better movie. Mississippi Mermaid, uh, the Francois Truffaut film with Jean-Paul Belmondo and Catherine Deneuve, is uh, as a Twilight Time. Title Great Get, uh, terrific film. This is um, just a, it's, a, it's one of Truffaut's best. It's just beautiful. The performances are great. The color and the photography is so wonderful. Um, it, it's and it's you know one of his one of his final films. So uh, that's that's a must have in your collection. And then, uh, lastly, from the Twilight Time lineup is the bizarre but yet strangely beguiling Absolute Beginners, which has some amazing. Photography oh, that's cool! In it. Well, you know Julian Temple's career just kind of fizzled after this. This was like his high point, and it's very strange. I but know. I,
2: lo- I love the song. I, I still listen to the song, that, David Bowie.
1: But it's a cool, like it's a cool, very it's, it's artificial, retro. But it's but like a cool retro faux musical thing, all shot on sound stages. But really beautifully shot. I mean, some like that one continuous camera shot is amazing, and uh, you know it's it's worth checking out. It's become kind of a little. I would put this almost in a weird class with something like Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill film. F- that these movies that came from that era that are sort of like they're musicals, but they're not musicals. They're sort of like the they they're, you know they they an like, artifice. Like,
2: it, it, you know what? It reminds me of um, Pennies from Heaven.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, g- the isolated score tracks on all of these are great, but the Absolute Beginners, is the, that's the one where the isolated score becomes you know a huge, huge bonus. Uh,
2: Wade, speaking of huge, huge bonus, in this week's uh, Criterion, you get two moves at the price of one. Well, actually, it's Criterion, so you get two moves at the price of two because they're, <laughs> so, they're always so expensive. Um, but they're worth it because this is The Killers. Now, Wade, um, as you know, The Killers was made into a film twice, once in 1946 and then once in 1964. And... Um, they're both great. The, uh, the first – well, the one in 1964, I tend to like more because it was directed by Don Siegel and is a little tougher. In fact, it was so tough it was supposed to air on NBC, but NBC considered it too violent, so the, uh, so the studio decided to just release it. And uh, it's really that's what, that one's good. Now, there's another one from 1940, uh, 1946. That one stars Burt Lancaster, Ava Gardner, and, ladies and gentlemen, Ronald Reagan. Oh. And that one is uh, not as good. Oh. But The Killers, which is based on the Hemingway short story, is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, you get all sorts of great extras, just like you always do on a, on a, a Criterion film, new to high-definition transfer. Um, there's also – and this is this is the shizzle. In 1956, Andre Tarkovsky, director of Solaris, mm-hmm. and the Sacrifice, whatever, mm-hmm. he made a short film version of The Killers as a student oh, film. nice. And it's on this. Sweet. That is gold. Absolute gold. So there's a lot of great stuff on it. Interview with uh, some of the actors from uh, 2002. Um, and yeah, The Killers. You get two films. Both of them are good. One you'll like better than the other. I like the Don Siegel one, but still, uh, it's,
1: it's historically, it's criterion, a great knocking criterion. The, knocking the Blu-rays out of the
2: park. Release. Virtuosity. I remember liking that film. It was uh, at the time. Now it doesn't really hold up. It's directed by Brett Leonard. Great cast. Denzel Washington, my favorite actor of all time. And uh, Russell Crowe. And this is when Russell Crowe was first kind of like kind of coming up a little bit. Um, anyway, they're on opposite sides of the law. And uh, Crowe is this, uh, you know, he's this sadistic uh, killer. And, and he's a virtual reality creation. And, and uh, Denzel Washington. This is, th- this is back during like the early days of the internet mm-hmm. when they were starting to make movies about virtual reality and about the internet. And, no, and, it, it, and, now, and it seems kind of cool at the time. But now you realize just how much – how just lame those – it's like – what's that Sandra Bullock film? Uh, The Net.
1: Oh, yes. Remember how bad that was? Yes.
2: Anyway. So uh, the whole idea is that Russell Crowe is his virtual reality villain. He breaks out of his virtual reality prison and and terrorizes the world, and then uh, Denzel Washington has to stop him. And because he's Denzel Washington, the awesomest actor in the world, he stops him.
1: And then we have, uh, on on Blu-ray finally, Joe Dirt, also with uh, Ultraviolet, because you want to watch this everywhere and anywhere. This is this horrible, misbegotten, uh, Dennis Spade spoof of of mullet-wearing, rednecky kind of rock and roll culture. And there was no reason whatsoever why this should have been, ever been considered a decent idea as a movie. It's just so silly. Uh... But for some reason, apparently, there's, there's talk of a sequel, which makes no sense to me at all. Christopher Walken is the only good thing in this as a, as a janitor. And he uh, he's actually quite funny because he manages to slip his dancing thing into this, which he all seems to slip into every single part. So the way that he gets to be a dancing janitor in Joe Dirt is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a movie. But anyway, uh, if you like Joe Dirt, you know, knock it out. It uh, you know it's got a couple of featurettes and a, and a commentary from uh, Denny Gordon who directed it, and then a David Spade commentary that I didn't find all that funny. Um, I'm not sure to what degree it was expected to be, but anyway, weird, misbegotten movie has a strange following. I'm not one of them.
2: So, wait. I remember back in the day in the '80s when I was all into the teen, you know, the teen uh, oh, yeah. flicks. You know, totally. you had 16 Candles and For all the sure. John Hughes films and Breakfast Club and whatnot. Um, I remember looking at uh, Johnny Be Good. From nineteen eighty eight, and mm-hmm. it starred Anthony Michael Hall, right? Breakfast yeah, Club, Sixteen Candles, sure. Paul right. Gleason, Sixteen Candles, right? Young Robert Downey Jr., right? And I'm looking, wow, my God, eighties flick, all these good people. You know what? This looks lame. I'll pass. <laughs> this is the first one where I thought, you know what, one too many teen flicks, lame. Yeah. Turns out this movie, lame. Yeah. Uh, this is Anthony Michael Hall, and he uh, plays uh, the high school quarterback, and uh, you know he's a football prospect, and uh, yeah, he's torn between, uh, you know. Going off to a, an amazing football career and uh you know, and uh the and going to college and uh, you know, the temptations that go with uh whatever crap happens in Outstanding. this movie. I didn't this movie was terrible. This was the end this was the end of the teen f eighties teen flick craze.
1: All right, Mark, it's time for uh, for our Voxbox. So what th- there we go.
0: It's Vox Box. Gentlemen, Mario Mendez here, and it's Shameless Plug time! Two years ago, my brother Mike Mendez directed a movie called Big Ass Spider, which is currently streaming on Netflix and is rated fresh on the Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato meter? Just saying. And uh, gratefully, that has led him to some work. So come October, hopefully you guys will see a Halloween anthology called Tales of Halloween that he co-produced and directed a segment for. He just wrapped up a bank heist movie with Henry Rollins. And in a couple of weeks, he will hopefully be directing a movie with Dolph, I Must Break Him Lundgren. But first is the premiere of his new movie on Saturday, July 25th on the Sci-Fi Channel. You know how the Discovery Channel has a Shark Week. Uh, from July 18th to July 25th, the Sci-Fi Channel is going to be having a Sharknado week where they're going to be airing a new movie each night, uh, beginning with Sharknado 3, ah, uh, hell no, uh, which is the name of the movie and kind of how I feel about the project. I'm going to read the rest of these to you, and I'm not kidding, these are the titles. Sharktopus vs. Whale Wolf, starring Casper Van Deen. Three-Headed Shark Attack, starring Danny Trejo. RoboShark, which apparently has no actors. Megashark vs. Colossus, starring Ileana Douglas. Zombie Shark starring Jason London, and then Saturday night, in the prime Saturday night slot, breaking the shark trend... Mike Mendes premieres his new movie, La starring Steve Guttenberg and some of the surviving cast members of the Police Academy movies in a reunion that you did not know you wanted or needed. And uh, while I haven't seen the movie, I do have it on good authority that Michael Winslow will be making some sound effects with his mouth. Uh, anyway, in order to sum up, if you are fans of the writing and acting of such caliber television shows as The Wire and Breaking Bad, you guys need a break and uh saturday july 25th is lavalanchella starring steve gutenberg not to be confused with big ass spiders starring greg grunberg i personally am pitching to my brother that he's got to get wrestler bill goldberg to start a movie called spider island so we can can now complete the necessary trifecta of mensch versus spider movies um so lavalanchella saturday july 25th it's saturday it's sci-fi it's free
1: outstanding we love the Mendez brothers yeah
2: they're like friends of the show
1: Mendez Palooza
2: FOD friends of Digigods, (laughs) plugging plug in it you know I love the fact he's getting work
1: honestly come on look uh, that's That's what it's all about he should be on the payroll that's, that's some of the best plugging I've ever heard. Oh, no, so. I
2: mean, come on, big ass spider. You yeah. know, it gets a little yeah. bit of a cult following. People yeah. dig it. He gets work out. It's fantastic.
1: It's uh, it is one of the uh, one of the one of the great success stories of that from you know that of that type that I've heard in a long time. Big ass spider was a terrific, terrific little movie that made unbelievable use of, of limited resources and has become a real cult film. And he's, he's he's reaping the he's reaping the whirlwind, and I applaud him.
2: It, it makes great use. Of big-ass spiders. Mm-hmm. Of all the films that have big-ass spiders in them, this one makes the best use of them.
1: And it, it shows that you can make a movie on that level without having to spend studio bucks. That is true. So. It's
2: very Corman-esque.
1: And we love Greg Grunberg because Greg's an old friend of ours, too. You went to high school with Greg.
2: I did go to high school. Actually, I saw Greg. Uh, I, I, Greg. My, Mike
1: recently did a thing of, uh, for Greg, right? Uh, he,
2: okay, here's the situation. I'll tell you <laughs> really quick. Uh, Greg has a little studio. Mm-hmm. A uh, little like where he does uh, live streams and podcasts And it's yeah. in uh, North Hollywood And so there was a launch party for this It's just a big bungalow in some nondescript industrial area of North Hollywood and it's nice, it's cool, I mean it's exactly what it should be yeah. And there was a launch party for it with Barbecue Food And uh, there was a band, was Greg who plays in a band Greg plays in a cover band, a celebrity cover band and the Celebrity Cover Band, by the way, the keyboard player for the Celebrity Cover Band, which played at this launch party I went to, is Hugh Laurie from House. He was not there. They had somebody else playing um, keyboard. But anyway, uh, the band was there. There was barbecue food there. It was a launch for Greg's um, uh, little podcast and live streaming studio. And uh, Mike uh, wound up directing a 12-hour marathon live stream That's from crazy. Greg's. It was for Charity. Wow. It was some charity that Greg is, is intimate with and so Mike helped him out by directing this live hour twelve telethon marathon. Well, it's, an, it's an epilepsy thing. That's, it was, it was yeah, epilepsy. Yeah, that's right. because it was
1: because nothing. Greg's Greg's son has epilepsy. That's right. So it's been a real cause of his. Yeah. That's right.
2: So it was yeah. really great and Mike did a great job on it, and Greg did a great job raising awareness. And uh, yeah, so there you
1: go. Fantastic. All right. We'll see you guys next week.